This episode of The Curious Life is brought to you by 28 by Sam Wood. 28 is an online training and nutrition program designed to show you just how easy it is to make your health a priority. Hello and welcome to The Curious Life podcast. My name is Yana Firestone. Today I'm joined by the loveliest guy in Australia. <laughs> Turn it up. Now, I'm not saying that because of your impressive contribution to health and fitness across the world, but actually because this is the second time <laughs> that you have provided me with your valuable time to sit down and have a chat. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I, I did just say before we turned on, are we acknowledging that we've <laughs> we've been here before? And yep. you said, I think we should acknowledge it. And I think that uh, it's a good idea, but... Yep. We had a beautiful chat last time. You made me cry, mm-hmm. uh, and then you uh, lost all the podcast with a uh, with a tech glitch. And yeah. someone that's in tech understands that that happens. Yes. So I uh, am more than happy to uh, catch up again. It's been a few months since we caught up last time, so I'm sure we'll probably head off in a completely different direction. That's right, and I'm, I really am so grateful. And as I've heard now from the pros. This kind of a glitch happens once. Right, that's good to know. And that's it. it never and I was it. Yet. I and was it. it. Okay, you were it. that's good. So we lost the best interview that ever happened. <laughs> and who okay. will ever dispute it? <laughs> that's it. So I guess, you know, because in my other life I'm a therapist, you know, yep. I'm really interested in knowing about kind of people's backstory and the emotional side of things. And we'll definitely get into all the stuff that you're doing now, which I think is amazing and inspiring. And a lot of our listeners always looking for different ways to get moving and be healthy. And you're the expert there. But you had a a humble beginning in Tassie, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's funny you say that, that we'll, we'll get to what I do now, but I don't think I would be doing what I do now without you know where I've come from I definitely think 28 is an extension of me and the way I kind of I don't know can be vulnerable and hopefully people find me relatable is definitely because of you know where I've come from I guess I mean I I don't really reflect on that too much but as you say that I definitely think that's the case and yes humble beginnings it was a boy from Hobart lived there for 20 years relatively normal if there is such a thing upbringing three kids in our family I'm the oldest of three Uh, my little sister Hannah and my little brother Alex uh, mum and dad lived in a little weatherboard house in West Hobart and walked to school with my brother and sister and all that kind of stuff and um, then went off to high school the same high school that my mum and dad actually went to They went to school together for 12 years. They were two years apart and they didn't know each other and then they met on a cruise to New Zealand and fell in love and got married, which is a pretty amazing story. That's unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, they probably recognised each other even subconsciously, but crossed paths on this uh, cruise the first time either of them had left Australia and, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Amazing. And, um, yeah, so I love dogs, love... I've always loved people, a sports nut, wasn't a terribly great academic. Um, I do remember vividly 
my teachers kind of having a bit of a dig at me to say, Sam, you're going to have to grow up one day and you're not going to be able to wear your runners to work for the rest of your life. <laughs> I guess I proved them wrong <laughs> as I sit here in my shorts and a T-shirt and my runners, but they were probably making a good point. I wasn't uh, taking school. I just got distracted, <laughs> had no concentration span and it was far more appealing to hang out with friends or play sport and yeah. the hot, the priority list wasn't probably correct mm-hmm. so I sort of fumbled my way through school yeah I guess the the greatest challenge and life-changing thing that has ever happened to me is that my mum passed away uh, from cancer when I was 15 she mm-hmm. fell sick when I was uh, when I was 13 so mm-hmm. losing your mum at that age being the oldest of three kids and having a uh, you know, the, the the hardest thing for us was mum was our everything, you know. she We were completely besotted with her. We spent every waking minute with her. Dad worked really, really long hours um, and loved Dad to bits, always have, always will, but didn't know him anywhere near as well as I do now back then because I saw him so little mm. and my brother and sister would say the same thing. So when mum passed away... Um, you know, Dad had to sell his business. He literally didn't work for, I don't know, it was probably two and a half years. He almost had to go back to getting to know his own kids. Um, spend, you know, and, which was really hard, trying to wear the mum and dad hat yeah. after and going through such a tragedy himself. I mean, I have so much admiration for him. <coughs> now, you know, he's a bit of a hero of mine, really, to, to look back at what he did and, he literally didn't work until we were broke and he had to work type wow. thing. And, um, yeah, an amazing man. And, uh, yeah, it's brought us crazily close together. But I've always been close with my brother and sister, but I think that tragedy probably made us closer together. And uh, we're super close with Dad, all of us. And, uh, you know, I think there's a big part of me that as much as that was the hardest thing ever, it... I've, there's a part of me that whatever I do, it's driven by wanting to make my mum proud of me. And, mm. um, yeah, hopefully I'm doing that to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt. I think it's really interesting that you talk about your dad's role because you're, you've are you been publicly an advocate for men kind of stepping up and taking parental leave and the importance of a father's role in kids lives and for the longest time and for our parents generation you know they went to work and they yeah. they were the busy ones they weren't totally. that connected and I get I'm you know I don't want it to sound for one second like I'm having a dig at others yeah. that perhaps don't have the same flexibility with their work as I do I yeah. just I'm very very fortunate yeah but I think you don't know what you don't know yeah. and you know Willow had her second birthday last week and it's been the best two years of my life mm. by a mile and, you know, I would have hated if I'd missed out on so much of that stuff. And, you yeah. know, I'm still probably not at home as much as I'd like to be or as much as Snish would like me yeah. to be, particularly yeah. now we have little Charlie as well. Our hands are well and truly full, but yeah. it's, you know, it's just the best. I mean, I fell in love with Evie and we just developed this great friendship and she's now 14 and we've then had two little girls and now my whole house is pink and my world's <laughs> been turned upside down and... Yeah. Yeah, I can't even remember what my life used to be like, to be honest. It just feels so foreign and so far away. It's almost (laughs) like that was someone else's life that I was looking at from the outside looking in. And, you know, this has always kind of been what was meant to be the, I don't know, 
the destiny for me. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. And so, so lucky that uh, Snez is just the best mum ever. Wow, amazing. I think, you know, I shared with you last time that my mum also passed away yeah. when I was young. And, and so we've got, you know, young kids about the same age. And in my journey of becoming a mother, I completely relate because that was always my kind of end game as well I knew that a family was where I always wanted to be but having lost a parent it's really interesting how much that plays into kind of every part of my parenting and my thoughts about kids and life and death and it's just kind of always there and I wonder how much your mum's present for you in your parenting life Uh, lots lots I think I probably don't think about it every day but when you ask me something like that I was so close to mum, you know, all, all three of us were, and and then I also look at, I, I think, how losing her at different stages of our life had different impacts, yeah. you know, it had a huge impact on Hannah being the only girl mm. and being 12 years old, yeah. had a huge impact on Alex just being so young, you know, like mm. people say, was it harder for you because you knew your mum better? I think it was probably easier for me because <clears throat> she could have the biggest impact you know like I definitely feel like I'd probably gotten through the most challenging developmental period of my Mm. childhood and had my mum there to help with that and it's undeniable that Mm. the impact that she had on who I am today and my resilience and my perspective and Mm. you know the nature that I kind of have is a hundred percent a reflection of her Mm. and you know, I, I guess that just shows you, like, if you can input that onto your kids, you know, yeah. I, th- I think there's so much finger pointing goes on in this mm. world. Like, whose fault is it? Is it the school's fault? Is it the, yeah. you know, with food choices, for example, in a nutrition sense? Is it the marketing agencies? Is it, you know, like, it all yeah. starts at home. And I don't mean what you do as a job. I mean looking someone in the eye, saying hello to them, having yeah. good manners, being grateful for things, yeah. you know, like I, we live in this crazy world where we're always like, what's that person doing and what's yeah. that person got? And mm-hmm. we just lose complete perspective. And I'm massive on, if for my kids, it's not about what they have, it's about the experiences mm. they they have. You know, I'd much rather spend three hours with my kids at the beach with yeah. no mobile phones and just like capturing the little things that they say rather than do extravagant things together or buy them extravagant yeah. gifts. I think you think that's great, yeah. but the magic that happens with a $2 bucket and spade yeah, absolutely. in a three-hour period yeah. <clears throat> where you kind of lose yourself yep. can't be beaten. You yeah. know? Like it's, it's those, little, those little moments and to capture those moments, you need to be there, you need to yeah. be present and that sort of comes back to what you're asking me, I guess, that... You know, you, you just got to be there. I had mates that uh, I was, you know, not the first of my friends to have kids by any means. I was probably at the later end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it was really different. Some of my friends who are a bit more paternal were from day dot, it changed them. Others, it wasn't really until their kids were maybe six months old until the sort yeah. of penny dropped. They felt really lost when their kids were babies mm. and so dependent on mum and breastfeeding yeah. and not much I can do as a dad. I reckon there's so much you can still do, you know, from the, you know, Charlie's 12 weeks old and to the way the little engagement and her trying to make noises and the the way she follows you around with her eyes. And, you know, I definitely think that those 
the time you spend now mm. carries you through. I remember I used to, you know, went for about four months, Willow and I would walk in the baby Bjorn and yeah. she'd be outward facing and we'd point at trains and we'd pick leaves yeah. off trees. And I reckon that bonded us mm. from then yeah. that now it's like the thing that Daddy and Willow do together. Like we yeah. go for walks and we go exploring and, yeah. you know, she was so little then. She didn't really know what was going on, but I definitely think she remembers. And yeah. you know, I think you just got to just gotta try things. I yeah. mean, what do you got to lose? You, yeah. know, like you don't have any sleep. You're, <laughs> you're tired, you're grumpy, but so you just yeah. like if you're up, do something, yeah. you know. Like yeah. if you're walking around the block at 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> as long as they're warm, I say go for it. And yeah. you, you know, it's amazing the, yeah. the magic that happens in those little, uh, those little opportunities. Absolutely. And I wonder, I know this is probably a, a tough kind of thing to answer because how do you really know, but do you think your feelings about being a present parent and being so involved with your kids from the very beginning all the way through has anything to do with the fact that you know you did lose your mum and then your dad became such a big part of your life totally I think it's Mm -hmm. you know this is not a criticism that he wasn't there as much I, I think dad would admit himself I didn't know what I was missing out on until I you know and he had a big catering business and stressful and Mm. weekend it was always working weekends and but you know I have the fondest memories of dad when he would take the same two weeks off each year and we'd hire a little shack and for the first time in a long time he'd be relaxed and not stressed and not going to work really early and coming home really late and you know that's kind of it's funny like in a 12 13 year period it's like those memories are really vivid but the other memories kind of aren't because it was really late at night or really early in the morning Mm. and you know obviously the memories since mum passed are really vivid with dad because he's been there a lot but absolutely I I think it's a combination of seeing how close we've become since he was there and perhaps seeing that we weren't as close as we could have been when he wasn't you know I I definitely think that was the case you know we we, yeah we really almost you know didn't know our dad Mm. you know I mean, we did, but we didn't, yeah. you know. Like, he was still always there, you know, Christmas and birth. Of course he was, but yeah. it's it's not that level of yeah. the way you know, you know, the way I knew mum, I knew everything about mm. her. She knew everything about us. She knew what we were feeling before we sort of knew what we were yeah. feeling. She was so in tune with mm. what we needed, you know, yeah. emotionally kind of, you know, yeah. a hug, whatever it was. Yeah. And I think, and let you know, and I see that with Snezh now. Like even um, the way Charlie looks at her, like yeah. just besotted, mm-hmm. you know, like cracks her up and obsessed with. And you know, Willow too. Like mm. if Willow ever bangs her knee or something, it's <laughs> mummy, mummy very quickly. Yeah. You know. yeah. Fun dads no longer needed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, and it's a yeah. beautiful thing to see. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you know, in some ways, it's almost like a. I hate to even say this, but like a blessing in disguise almost. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, yeah, it's a horrible thing, but there has been a silver lining. I mean, you know, I would give up everything I have in a heartbeat to have one more hour with my mum tomorrow. But it would, um, yeah, it changes who you are as a person. And I think once you get over the hump of the horrific you know there is kind of some sunshine on the other side and I think that's what mum would want you know like you know it's the the hardest thing for me was like 
because I was so in love with mum and so young, mm. while she was sick, I was just in complete denial. Mm. You know, she was she fell sick when I was 13. She's going through chemo and bald and wigs. And yeah. I still just thought mum will be fine and yeah. almost almost carried on like she had a cold or something, you yeah. know. Like I knew it was more serious than that deep down, but I never once for one second accepted that she would ever mm. pass away. And so when she did, it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks and, it, you know, it really sort of rattles you for quite a while. Like, I, you know, I reckon it probably, I reckon it probably affected me for, you know, negatively mm. for 10 years. Yep. And I reckon it still negatively affects my brother and sister because they probably weren't old enough yeah. to, to be able to handle it as well. Yeah. You're 100% right. 10 years is is the number that I personally yeah. feel is when I was... And that's not to say at the 10-year mark, oh, I no. forgot about everything. Absolutely. But, you know, like yeah. it, there would be weekly occurrences yeah. where it would it, I'd burst into tears yeah. or I'd be the way I would be. And I reckon if I really analysed why I was like that, it would yeah. be, you know, a, a feeling of frustration or that's not fair yeah. or, you know, like you just don't... You know, you, you just don't things like that. You just don't get like no. why? Why would such an amazing person that that happen to you? Know? Yeah. Well, it's completely unfair, and there's no the brain tries to rationalise it and make sense of things, and there's no making sense of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So you had your kind of ten years in the abyss of grief. But at the same time, you know, you're a young adolescent going through the big changes in life, like yep. finishing school and making big life decisions. And how did that go? Were you able to... Uh, oh, you know, I was probably... I was definitely, compared to most of my friends, pretty lost. Mm. You know, I didn't... I, you know, I didn't really... Like lots of my friends, whether they've ended up there now necessarily, not, yeah. not, not always, but, you know, they knew what they wanted to do at uni get the job that they wanted to get or whatever it was I didn't you know I sort of applied to do uni and remember reading my acceptance letter and going why am I doing this this doesn't really make sense I don't even know what I'm doing you got into law though right yeah I, yeah. I, I do law psychology double degree at UTAS mm. I'm not even sure why it's kind of funny to look back and laugh. I mean psychology I kind of get mm. I've always loved I loved studying psychology at school and even now what I do there's yeah. definitely a, a really big psychological aspect to it but it's interesting that that's uh, I think I just watched too many movies or something it was a, <laughs> yeah. made no sense it makes Law no and sense order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly too many John Grisham books or something yeah, but yeah. It, um, yeah that, I remember reading that acceptance letter going what am I doing mm. like I love sport and I love people and yeah, you know, I think you think maybe that can't be a job though. Like maybe yeah. that can, maybe that can be a now job, but is that going to be a proper job or a serious yeah. job or a a career? You yeah, know, yeah. where you can you know raise a family yeah. off that salary or whatever it is. Not that I probably had thoughts that deep about <laughs> it, but yeah. I uh, yeah I went off to summer camp to coach basketball in America and a bit of a you know discovery mission. You know, yeah. let's put everything on hold and do that for for six months and just fell in love with coaching you know mm -hmm. coaching kids working with people there was a health and fitness aspect 
So then when I came back, I uh, applied to do human movement or exercise science degree and you couldn't do that in Hobart. You had to do it in Launceston. So I thought if I'm going to go to Lonnie, I may as well move to the mainland as we call it, <laughs> the, the big mainland, yep. as Tassie people call it. And uh, Yeah, so I... I got accepted to Ballarat Uni, which uh, had a really good reputation for their human movement mm. course, and uh, yeah, moved to Ballarat, which kind of felt weird because you know nothing against Ballarat, but I'd always thought if I go to the mainland, it'll be this big step up to this yeah. big metropolitan city, and Ballarat's not too dismal to Hobart, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. all you know, it's small, it, was, yeah. it is smaller. So yeah. I uh, I remember loving the study but kind of still feeling like I should be in Melbourne you know Mm. I'd come down to Melbourne on weekends and watch the footy and see friends and um yeah so then when a guy called Craig Harper came to Ballarat Uni to do a presentation to all of the human movement students uh, across the three years on uh he owned the biggest personal training studio in Melbourne called Harper's Personal Training down the road here in Brighton uh, you know, a thousand square metre facility, 30 trainers, running track around the outside. Like wow. he was painting this, he's a great, um, you know, brilliant presenter, great yeah. storyteller. Yeah. And so he had all these, you know, really super keen, <laughs> young, hungry um, human movement students sitting on the edge of their seat. And at the end of it, I went up to him and said, oh, you know, thanks so much. That was amazing. My name's Sam. Do you take work experience, kids? I'd love to do my work experience with you. And he's like, oh, mate, it, to be honest, it might be a tricky year in Ballarat. I'm in Melbourne. And he wasn't wasn't being an asshole. He was just mm. being a realist. You know, yeah. you live here. It's down there. You probably have to be there at six in the morning. I don't know logistically how this is going to work. Yeah. But I didn't take no for an answer. I kept <laughs> ringing him up and he's like, you're a persistent little bugger, aren't you? <laughs> and so he eventually, um, September holidays were probably, I don't know, three months away. And he said, look, if you're prepared to find somewhere to stay in Melbourne for the two weeks of your September holidays and you're prepared to be there from 5am to 8pm, then you can come. You're not going to get paid anything. You're probably cleaning toilets. You know, he didn't paint a very glamorous picture. <laughs> yeah. I think he wanted to make sure I was... Knew what I was getting myself into and uh, I said, yep, done. So I found a friend in Melbourne and, you know, within sort of like bike riding distance of the gym, (laughs) I got on my little bike and I'd get there at five o'clock every morning and uh, at the end of the two weeks, he called me into his office and he said, if you want a full-time or start your own career here, you're a subcontractor, so it's not necessarily a full-time job unless you get busy, Um, there's there's a position for you wow. at the start of the new year and I've got some contacts at some of the Melbourne universities and I can help you transfer across with your degree if you'd like some help in that department and yeah that wow. was kind of the start of my fitness career amazing so yeah, yeah. It, all, it all sort of springboarded from there so how soon after doing that did you move into Gecko and starting that whole oh Gecko was still another five years okay. so I moved to Harper's and it just kind of exploded, you know. It was for, I'd been very lost for a very long time, and even while studying human movement and going, I'm loving learning all this stuff, or your anatomy and physiology. Yeah. It was the business side of, you know, I'm, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree with my dad. Like I loved the business side of things, and I loved. And, and as a subcontractor, you kind of it's like having your own little micro business without all the scary stuff. You yeah. Know? yeah, you can learn slowly about tax, and you don't yeah. the rent. Does, you know, you pay your three hundred and fifty dollars a week to the owner of the premises, but you don't have all these you know utility <laughs> bills and all these other you know insurance costs. So it went crazy. You know, I was 
I went from zero appointments a week to 80 in about three or four months. Whoa. So I was probably one of the busiest trainers in Australia within three or four months. I remember Crazy. Craig called me into his office at Easter and said, so mate, the goal now would be that you're doing 20 appointments a week. And I said, I think I did 75 last week. And Whoa. he's like, what? And I said, yeah. And he said... And he, you could tell he was like, I should have charged more rent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, what marketing are you doing? I said, none. It's just all word of mouth. Wow. And it was just, I literally felt like this is what I'm meant to do. Mm. You know, like I was quite good at selling, but it was more that a lot of my clients, I think, just loved that I was this skinny little ambitious friendly kid from Tassie who was having a crack yeah and you'd do a session with them and you'd talk I'd talk to them like I talked to you I'd be yeah. like oh you know this is what I want to do and yeah. I'm so excited to be here <laughs> and like they'd be like oh this kid's pretty like you know real and raw and you know I was pretty yeah. rough around the edges but you could tell that I think they just wanted to help me out yeah. so they were like oh I should introduce you to Sarah she'd love to train mm. with you she was only saying the other day you're doing that personal training thing yeah. you know can you give me his number and it just kind of snowballed wow. like I didn't really chase it mm. so yeah that was that was five crazy years and then during that five years <clears throat> I started training kids and um I remember a mum came in and, uh, you know, it was a little, it was a boy who needed help with tennis, with his footwork and his, and his, his strength and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. He was kind of this up and coming tennis prodigy. And then there was another little boy who, for him, it was weight loss and self-confidence. So it's kind of any end of the spectrum from super sporty, that extra 2% yep. to really didn't have a good relationship with either the, their own self-confidence, body image or sport full stop and how could I perhaps help that in some way because as you know as a parent those messages kind of fall on deaf ears if they're coming yeah. from mum or dad so uh, you know a fresh perspective and someone they kind of looked up to and thought yeah. was cool and fun and all that kind of stuff it can it can really cut through quite powerfully mm. and so yeah we you know I kind of got to 90 100 appointments a week which 30 were the kids wow. and you know, kid, parents would be bringing their kids out of school at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock instead of doing whatever subjects they had scheduled at that time and they'd be seeing me for an hour and the parents would be saying, look, the benefit Tommy gets with you, Sam, is immeasurable mm. and whatever they're missing at school, it's well worth it because you're, you're having a really yeah. positive impact. And I, it just made me think there's got to be more to this. There's yeah. got to be – I was still having to train them in an adult environment where, they, you know, there's heavy weights and there's yeah. adults grunting. Not that it was really a grunting, <laughs> Jim, but, you know, like yeah. it wasn't a super kid-friendly yeah. place. So, yeah, Gecko was born, green, purple, orange, Gecko Sports. Went out on my own and I did it with Craig, so – Craig, half of you know, I see, I came into his office. He said, "Look, mate, I need to, I need to spread my wings. I need to, I need to have something of my own." And you could tell he didn't want me to leave. Mm. So he said, "Oh, why don't we do something together?" Anyway, he bought 20%. As a sort of mentor, it was kind of nice. I felt like I had someone holding my hand. And, and we hired an old petrol station in Hampton and scrubbed it all up and painted it all up and basketball rings on the walls and uh, reactor ball nets and running tracks and boxing wow. bags and little bikes and little rowers. And oh, my God. It just, uh, yeah, so it was after school classes mm-hmm. and then – that turned into holiday programs and then I remember sitting at the desk one day and a mum came in and, oh, you know, my son was wondering if you guys do birthday parties. We didn't do birthday parties, but, yep, sure, what <laughs> what sport do they love? And so, oh, yep, we'll give him a Soccer World Cup and we had footy fanatics and, Amazing. you know, crazy cricket and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And it just it 
we had about 400 kids enrolled in the first year and then three or four birthday parties every weekend. We went to schools and did incursions. Schools came to us for excursions. It was a great business, mm. but it was exhausting. You know, like it was real. I was taking every class oh and running the business. So Whoa. I probably did... 35, 40 hours of, and kids' classes are about 70 times more exhausting yeah. than a one-on-one personal training appointment with a with an adult. Your energy has to be 120% yeah. all the time or you're doing them a bit of a disservice. So <laughs> it's pretty full on. I loved every second of it, but it was like, you know, I remember thinking, oh, how can we grow this? And mm. we then headed down, the, headed down the path licensing the brand and the programs to gyms. Mm-hmm. And we, we got to about 30 gyms in Australia using wow. the Gecko program. But it had a lot of challenges. Like the good ones were really good. The bad ones were really bad. You know, you'd have high turnover in these gyms. And anyway, it's a it's a more of a business story. But it ended up the gecko uh, adventure. I learnt so so much. But it probably I probably lost I don't know six seven eight hundred thousand dollars over a over oh. a eight year period. Yeah, I got investors on board okay. that I used to train their son. In fact, their son was that tennis prodigy kid that right. I first spoke about and they fell in love with me and you can do this, Sam, <laughs> and they were very wealthy. So they they lent me money yeah. and I didn't really know what I was doing from a business perspective, but I knew that I wanted to do something. Anyway, it just, it was a very hard thing to license, but then last couple of years we franchised it and i still keep a close eye on gecko it's still going great i think there's 40 franchises now across australia it got bought off me by an amazing lady kim who was uh, one of the franchisees uh, and she only approached me because I had the woodshed and I had, which is my PT studio now, and uh, I had 28, my online program, and she could kind of see that I would probably was spreading myself a bit too thin and yeah. she politely sort of said, oh, the Franchise Network's a bit worried you might not be able to give us as much love as you used to be able mm. to give us with uh, the Bachelor, you know, kind of having the world explode Um, and I said look you're probably right but I love Gecko it's my baby I've been doing it for 10 Mm. years and she said oh well I'd love to buy it off you and continue to to grow it and run it and uh, I couldn't really think of a better way for it to continue on so she still does that does an amazing job it's going from strength to strength and yeah I loved every second even though I lost the money I didn't really like I just loved every second I'd do it all again tomorrow I I loved every second of it learned so much and I definitely think the success of my business now is due to the mistakes I I made then for sure absolutely I mean it's all I think we always just end up wherever we're meant to end up so all the kind of shit things yeah which is very hard to accept when you're losing money or you're stressed or you're lost I mean I used to read you know your Richard Branson books and all that kind of stuff and He's big on that, you know. If you just do what you love and you do it well yeah. and you surround yourself with good people, the money will come or the success will come mm. or whatever, you know, your your idea of success is. And yeah. when you're in debt, and st- like that's really hard to believe. Yeah. But then when you do make it, you realise it's so true. Yeah. yeah. This is getting through that. I think financial stress is one of the most challenging yeah. things Yeah, it's very hard to have any faith or perspective I mean I've always been a very very optimistic person which is probably why I spent so much money because I kept (laughs) thinking it's going to turn around it's going to turn around I just need a bit more time (laughs) a bit more money a bit more time a bit more money and I was obviously quite persuasive because 
this incredible family that was um, investing in the business were happy to keep investing. But, <laughs> you know, I almost feel like if I'd been le- more of a realist then, I probably would have got myself in less hot water. I'm still right. paying these people back, by the way. They've been incredibly patient. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you'll find it almost impossible to carve out that time for the gym and often end up making poor food choices. 28 by Sam Wood breaks down these barriers by providing daily home workouts that only take 28 minutes and over 3,000 recipes that are not only delicious, but seriously simple. If you sign up to 28 by Sam Wood before midnight on Monday the 4th of November, you'll receive a free copy of Sam's best-selling cookbook, 28 by Sam Wood. Just apply the coupon Curious Life when joining. So things are going well from a business perspective, maybe not in your pocket, but your message was spreading and things were, the business yeah. was booming and then The Bachelor comes along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, like you say, everything kind of happens for a reason. I, yeah. So I, I owned a gym and Gecko. So I had a, a small adult's personal training studio, the Woodshed yeah. and Gecko, which we were furiously trying to, the, the Brighton Hampton Gecko was still going great, yeah. but it was about how do we... How do we expand these? And they mm. and they do equally as successfully when we expand them. Yeah. And that was kind of any money that was being made in the other businesses was very quickly being spent with you know with those experiments and <laughs> heading down that path. And I was sitting at the gym reception one morning, and a lady came in, Kelly, and she said, and I guess because I was working so much, I'd been single for I don't know, I was thirty five, and I'd been single for five years, mm-hmm. and. Kelly said, you know, the beautiful lady who trained with Gary, one of the trainers, and she'd always come in for a chat before or after a session, and she's like, how are you still single and all this kind of <laughs> stuff? And, you know, she'd kind of mother me a little bit and yeah. we'd have a bit of a laugh, and she said, you should you should go on that Bachelor show. And I'd never seen the show. I didn't re- I'd seen ads on TV, but I didn't really know what she's talking about. And she said, I'm serious. And I said, oh, don't be silly, Kelly. That's the most ridiculous idea I've ever <laughs> heard. And she literally walked around behind reception and got my keyboard and Googled wow. bachelor applications. Oh, my God. And up it popped. And she said, I'm going upstairs to train with Gary and you're going to fill this out. Wow. And I was like, okay, Kelly. Anyway, so I had a read through and I thought, you know what, I'm going to fill this out. Who, who, who knows? And I honestly had never seen an episode, so I really didn't even know what I was applying for. And as I started doing it, it was quite fairly deep, thorough process, you know, psychological testing. And once mm. you've pressed enter, you can't go back and change an answer. That was okay. already like that was automatically Ooh, interesting. in the system. Mm. So you have to tell the truth or yeah. you know, I guess your answer have to stack up or it'll, it'll work yeah. out that, you, you know, you're kind of just <laughs> telling them what they – what they think you want to hear or whatever it is and it was yeah. it was about a 60 page questionnaire wow you know whether you had to write answers or multiple choice or whatever it was and uh so when kelly finished a session i was still only halfway through the bloody thing <laughs> and she's like oh you are doing it I said, oh yeah why not anyway yeah. so she stood there while i finished it off had a bit of a laugh at me looked over my shoulder <laughs> and um the phone rang the next day and they said oh hi it's it's so-and-so from shine the mm-hmm. production company uh, we got your application and it looked really good. Would we be able to do a uh, one-hour sort of FaceTime interview with you? And uh, I said, yeah, that's okay. I said, when? She said, oh, how's tomorrow? Oh, geez, that's mm. pretty quick. Sure. 
So, uh, yeah, we booked it all in and had a 60-minute face-to-face chat. Wow. And uh, thanks so much, Sam. That's great. We'll, we'll get in touch. Literally 24 hours later, I an email saying, Hi, Sam, we'd like to fly you to Sydney for a panel interview with some of the producers and director, whatever, you know, the heads of Channel 10. And, the head, and I'm like, oh, wow, well, that's going pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And so I jumped on a plane two days later. You know, in my thongs and jeans and a t-shirt, oh and sat down. The cameras on me, and we're at this in this sort of boardroom at the Shine offices, and head of TV from Channel 10s there, and all this kind of stuff. And probably two hours felt like about 15 minutes. Wow. It was just a really fun, really quick, lovely people. And and I remember leaving, and Sean, the executive producer, who I'm now very good friends with, he sort of grabbed me on the arm. He said. Mate, don't go doing anything silly and getting a mohawk or anything in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> and I said, I went, no, mate, I said, I won't be doing anything like that. But I thought that's kind of interesting. Mm. And yeah, about 10 days later, I got a phone call saying, mate, you're it if you want it, uh, but you'll have to pack up your life in Melbourne. You've got in, in a week and you won't be able to tell anyone where you're going and you'll be gone for 15 weeks. Oh, my God. So I had Gecko. I had the woodshed and I had to, you know, and, uh, the, and he said, think about it, don't give me an answer then. And I just remember thinking, I have no idea what I'm getting mm. myself into here and I should have probably done a bit more research. <laughs> but I also, I more so remember thinking, if I don't do this, I'll always wonder what if. Yeah. You know, and it's easy to say retrospectively, imagine if I hadn't done it, it's been the best thing that ever happened to me, yeah. um, you know, meeting Snezh, obviously. Absolutely. But it... Yeah, I was just like, nah, I'll just, I'll kick myself. I wonder what if. And so I said yes. I remember telling, told my best mate what I was doing and my dad, you know, two people that I trust with my life. And I had to tell work that I had to go overseas for some course or something. I just <laughs> told him a big furphy. And, yeah. and they're like, oh, that's a bit sudden and a bit weird, but okay. And I kind of, you know, there were a few sort of senior people who stepped up and did a great job kind of holding the fort in my absence. And, yeah. I remember when we were filming the show, about the eight-week mark, it leaked somehow. Then paparazzi must have oh taken God. a photo and uh, Sam Wood is your next bachelor. And so the next thing, my poor staff at the gym are getting paparazzi rock up, phones ringing with you know media people trying to get some dirt on oh me God. or what can you really tell us about Sam? What's he like? Did he tell you where he's going? And they're like, what? where is he? He's in America. <laughs> he's not in America. He's lied to you. Yeah. Like, all this kind of stuff He's happened. In the mansion. Yeah, and, they, and then yeah. they Google it and like, oh my God, you know, cheeky bugger. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I remember uh, I did have my phone because they take your phone off you. I remember getting my phone back and I had about, you know, 1,700 text messages oh from people just going, what the hell is this? And, wow. You know, but, um, so you really don't have a phone. The whole, I thought at least The Bachelor would have that luxury. No, they don't want you – it's hard because you lose mm. all your independence, but they don't want you losing your uh, – they don't want you losing creating focus. a bias oh. by reading stuff about yourself. Like oh, right. if you start reading, you know, this guy looks like a dickhead or, you yeah. know, or yeah. something, whatever, it might, it might affect sort of you being yourself during yeah, the filming enough. process. Yeah. So, yeah, they really sort of cut you off from the outside wow. world during the process. It's – it's very, very intense. Mm. You know, it's kind of 14, 15 hours a day, six, seven days a week for 14 weeks. Oh, my God. And you're thrown right in the deep end from yeah. day one. But, uh, yeah, best thing I've ever – I mean, best thing I've ever done because I met Snezh and Evie yeah. and it's changed my life 
in ways that you know can't even imagine. Yeah. But it's made me a. It, it was so good for me from mm. a personal growth and development perspective. It's you get vulnerable. You get comfortable talking about your feelings. You get you know comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah. You build your resilience. You know, like there's a lot going on. Mm. You know, you've got crew. You've got a hundred staff on this huge set. And you've got to, you know, remember 25 girls' names and <laughs> chat to them. Like, it's it's nuts. Intense. Really intense. You know, like when I chat to, you know, even Matt, the most recent bachelor, who's yeah. a really nice fella, you know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, no one really gets it, do they? Like, it's kind of good to chat to you because, like, there's only a handful of us yeah. that kind of understand this. And yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's true, you know. People would think that they might have a bit of a perspective, but you don't. I mean, right. even if I was trying to imagine what it would be like, I think cool. I'd undersell it. it. It's it's really full on. Yeah, I, I can barely remember somebody's name one yeah, person no, no, when no, I just no. meet them for the first yeah. time. I think my like, gecko kids' birthday parties held me in good stead <laughs> where you meet all the little kids yeah, before right. they run around like maniacs yeah. at a four-year-old birthday party. I think That's that was it. my that was my saviour. <laughs> And did you have you since watched Unreal, which is oh, I have, yeah. When, when I finished my season, Osher actually sent me a message saying, "Okay, mate, it's safe now. You you, you threw it. Yeah, check this out." And he sent oh me a God. link to this this show, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, yeah. And and you know, he understands that's a very very uh, strong exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would appreciate the sort of funny side because it, yeah. it is taking it to such an extreme <laughs> level. But I think there are people out there that think it's closer okay. to unreal than what you know than mm. what, which is not at all. That is yeah. completely blown out of proportion. But it's uh, yeah, it's a funny thing to watch once you've been in the bubble yourself. Totally. It's funny actually, just as a viewer hearing comments like that from you know friends when in when we're messaging about the show or whatever. There's always a comment like, oh, that was totally set up by producers. There's no way he would have chosen her. He has to keep her in because she's the drama or whatever. And there's a little bit of that. I mean, it's early when there's the the only bit that they, you know, you you can choose who you want. And if you really put your foot down, you could always choose who you want. It's just early days if there's some real drama happening when you're not there, you know, the girls with each other, they would – when that's playing out and there's still 23 girls left, if you yeah. are saying goodbye to two girls, they probably wouldn't want you to say goodbye to one of those girls right. that's, you know, yeah. having some pretty exciting conversations <laughs> yeah. with one of the others. So they might sort of go, if you don't mind, maybe don't yeah. uh, send, you know, Sally home tonight and yeah. you're like, oh, I guess that's okay. You know, like, you yeah. know, she, I don't, can't see Sally and I ending up together, but at the same time, if she, I don't have to send her home tonight, that's fine too. You know, yeah. like, it doesn't worry me. Yeah. So, but, you know, once it then gets down to, you know, the last 10 girls or whatever and they don't affect, tell you anything. You know, okay. That, that's then it's fully your choice. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, they want it to be. You yeah. Know, they can't, they don't want that to feel, um, I'm sure the way it gets edited and mm. maybe that conversation happened before that conversation yeah. by the time it gets to air, builds a bit of drama. I'm sure they cut out some moments with Snezh and I too because mm-hmm. they didn't want it to feel too obvious yeah. that she was going to win. Yeah. You know, we were getting really, really close. I'm sure, you know, I'm yeah. sure there was some, well, I know there was some, you know, pretty special moments where they went, oh, I think if we share that, people will think it's a dumb deal. <laughs> we probably don't show that. Maybe when you said to her, listen, you're the winner. No, well, yeah, no, well, yeah, they're very <laughs> big on don't, please don't say anything <laughs> like that. You know, like it ruins the whole show. Yeah. Like, yeah, we get it, but to get, which gets really hard to do. Mm. Like when you can see someone who you're falling in love with going through a difficult time yeah. because they don't know where they stand and you know you could fix that, mm. that's really 
hard. So I've always actually wondered about that. Like, is there really no moment where you can, like, off-camera whisper, like, I really, really like They you have or... people watching you the whole time. Really? Like, you've, you've got, yeah, you've got their producers and your producers literally with you at all times and mm-hmm. the second they take the mics off, they go, okay, we need you over here and yeah. Sam, you need to be over there and they yeah. sort of separate you and then you kind of, Find your way merging back together because <laughs> you're having dinner or something. Hey, what are you two doing next to hey, Off you go. You okay, know, they're yeah. always and you know they're lovely about yeah. it. They go, oh, you know, we get how ridiculous these guys. But if you say something incredible that mm. we could have captured you saying on camera, yeah, you know, like that's you know, they're making a show. They're making a show. Yeah, but yeah. There is something so so nice about that moment after the finale when you don't have your cameras on yeah. and they say, oh, you know. They'd booked. We, we, I think we're the only couple to never get an overseas holiday. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in the Blue Mountains, but which was exquisite. But yeah, sure. They uh, booked us an Airbnb out in the middle of the mountains, about half an hour away from where the uh, where the finale had aired. And you get in the car, and literally, it's the first time for fourteen weeks that you've been able to speak to each other. We haven't had a microphone on. Oh my god! And it, you're almost paranoid that the car's been bugged yeah. or something you know and you're driving <laughs> along this little dirt street at 11 o'clock at oh night and it's strange still whispering to a, each other a bit a bit yeah i mean we got back to the house and we opened a bottle of wine and we lit the fire and we literally just chatted till about five in the morning wow. just sort of catching up properly yeah. And, you know, we, we knew so much about each other, but we then learnt so much more about yeah. each other. And Snez is a lot shyer than I am. So okay. for her, it was like, oh, yeah, I feel like I can really now yeah. kind of let go. It was always a little bit a little bit stuck, a little bit reserved. And, uh, you know, you and there's also that natural feeling. I don't want to get my heart broken either. Totally. You know? So, like, she was yeah. totally relaxed for the first time. Amazing. And, yeah, it's a pretty special 24 hours. Wow. When I think about your season, there's only one moment I can really remember and that was when it must have been a cocktail party and you accidentally kissed her. You'd sort of like <laughs> – <laughs> do you remember the yeah, moment? Yeah, you were yeah. like going through a doorway or something and you sort of kissed her like you would if it, it was your girlfriend. Yeah. And then it was just like, oh, my God, everyone was talking about, uh, whoa, she's the front runner. And there must have been feelings there that were more Oh, absolutely. Significant. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's – that's because they're real and yeah. you just do it because you're in the moment, you know, yeah. and you kind of forget there's always someone watching. But <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, it was funny for Snedge because she, she said, you know, I got on so well with all the girls until you asked me on a second date before a lot of the girls had had a first date. Mm. And they had all assumed that as a single mum – she wasn't a threat or yeah. you know, I wasn't she wasn't gonna get chosen. Yeah. And so they were so nice to her. Yeah. And then when that happened, it's like literally something changed because we got back from that date and she said you could cut the tension with a knife. Oh they all went from going, Oh, you look so beautiful, have a great day to they must have all gotten together and had a chat about, mm. hang on a second, why would she be getting asked on a second date? And yeah. then they all hated her. After. <laughs> Not hated her, but you know, like yeah. their, their, their attitudes had definitely changed yeah. and they then did see her as a threat and she said the dynamic had literally changed oh in a three-hour period. But yeah, oh, no. That'd be so tough. I mean, I couldn't imagine living in a space like that with so many oh, other yeah. women anyway and then to have all of that tension.
attention and and to be away from your little nine-year-old yeah, who you hadn't absolutely. spent one day apart from ever. Oh my god, Amazing. I can't, I cannot and, even. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't appreciate it like I do yeah. now because I wasn't a dad. Yeah, like I was like, oh, that must be so hard. But I was probably just saying that without really grasping how hard it would be. Yeah, I got how hard it would be when I saw them reunite. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, like there were tears. I was oh. crying. It was amazing. Yeah, and I was like, wow. You know, and then you know, obviously, as a dad, yeah. like I couldn't even imagine being yeah. away from my kids for thirteen weeks. Seriously, but yeah. you know what? It's like you were saying before. <laughs> you go through the hardship, and you end up where you're supposed to oh, be. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm sure. Well, Hope she would say I'd do it all again. <laughs> yeah. Be a worry if she wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. often the best things in life do happen when we get uncomfortable and yeah. we get out of our comfort zone, and uh, you know, we learn about ourselves and we we push ourselves, and you know, whether it be business or your, your, your fitness or yeah. whatever, you know, it, it absolutely is where the good stuff normally happens. Well, good thing you mentioned fitness because we've been having a great chat here. We have. But How long have we been talking for? Um, 52 <laughs> Oh, look at us go. Look at us go. I don't shut up, do I? No, it's great. <coughs> Loving it. Um, but, you know, I do want to talk about 28, which is, you know, obviously this huge animal of its own now. I mean, <laughs> animal. Oh I think God. last time we spoke you said that you'd had like something like 200,000. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit over 200,000 people have done the program. Wow. We. We launched in Feb 2016, so we're three and nearly three and a half years old. So, which I don't know, three and a half years old, it literally feels like a year. It's gone so fast. Best thing, best job ever. I literally, like, it doesn't feel like a job at all. I love coming into the office each day. There's so much exciting new stuff happening. From a tech perspective, I've got this great team that I work with, but most of all just because you see how much of an impact you're having on people's lives. You know, mm-hmm. I would literally get 20 messages a day from people saying I've, it changed their life. Yeah. You know, photos, tears, yep. really raw, beautiful moments that they sort of are comfortable sharing with me. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing wow. thing. It's bigger than I ever thought it could be could have been when we first started and now that we've kind of reached this point weirdly it feels like we're just getting started it's yeah. it's almost like the more we learn the and the bigger it gets mm. the more it feels like we can help more and more people you know it's yeah. it's one of those momentum type businesses that the more people tell their friends about it and the more people get results and their friends say what have you been doing the faster it grows and you know i, I feel like we did we did things right from the beginning, you know, we got a really great program with great experts from nutrition and sleep and psychologists and, you know, I really poured all of me into it and yeah. I still do on a daily basis, you know, I think there's a lot of programs out there where the kind of face is a bit of a set and forget face and, mm-hmm. you know, they're the person on the ads but they're not really involved yeah. with the business and I sort of pride myself on being here in the office every day and, yeah, it's just uh, to be able to... It's an extension of me and it's an extension of Snege and it's, you know, we share things with our kids and yeah. I think that relatability and as a dad and Snege is a mum and so many of the people in my program are mums, yeah. you know, that just really helps because you can understand the real life challenges. You know, I remember as a 21-year-old trainer, I had no real empathy for people yeah. that said, oh, it's hard to get to the gym, Sam, as a mum. Oh, mm. come on, that's, you know, 
you're just not trying hard enough or whatever it is. Now I'm like, it's so true. Yeah. So to be able to give people workouts they can do in under 30 minutes in the comfort of their own home, yeah. meals that the whole family like that are quick and easy and you can get the kids cooking with you or whatever it is, and then support through the community, through my daily videos, um, through emails with any questions that come in, all the other you know community. We're doing retreats next year. We're wow. doing... Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of really, really cool things happening. We're just going to take it from strength to strength. And I pinch myself. I really do. I just, I just, I've always loved being a trainer. And 28 just now allows me to be a trainer, but just to help so many more people. It's just yeah. amazing. And it's maybe giving you that opportunity to spread yourself further than you were able to do. Oh. One-on-one Ma- or in Much groups. further. Yeah. Ma- I mean, there's only so many hours in a day. I miss doing the one-on-one stuff, but, you know, I used to be able to impact 50 people a week and I can now impact 50,000. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. So for people that don't know, as you mentioned, it's fitness, meals, there's a community. Yeah. Can people pick one aspect, like if someone only wants to do the training? Uh, no, it's all encompassing okay. and, and that's deliberate yeah. only because it works better. I mean, you, you can... Be a 28 member, use all of our meals, do one workout a weekend, have a gym membership, that's fine. But you get it all. I mean, it's $59 a month. So for the cost of less than a gym membership, you get all three. We've got over 3,000 recipes. The support is real. You know, if you ask a question or need a video, it it comes to you that day. And and I think that's what people sort of recognise, you know, like... I mean, you can get a program anywhere. You can get a free program off the internet or you can, you know, sure. buy a cookbook. But having everything in one place where, you know, you can say, oh, I'm gluten intolerant. What should I swap that ingredient for? Or, you know, can you bring out a pescatarian eating plan? Yes, we can. And, you know, we get we provide that. Or, Sam, I've got a calf injury. What exercises should I avoid and what should I replace them with? You know, whatever it might be. And being able to, like, give people that customised mm. experience but there's just a huge growth in the understanding of online fitness. You know, even even five years ago, it was a bit of a foreign kind of idea. Yeah. Now, people, because technology is so quick, mm-hmm. you know, you can tap play on your phone and you're doing a live workout with me at the click of a finger. Yeah. And you don't have to get in the car, find a car park, drive to the gym. You're not worried that there's other people staring at you at the gym. Yeah. Like you literally, the, I mean, there's a stat that, gets sort of bandied around that in Australia, 85% of people don't use their gym membership more than four times a year. And so, I mean, which just, so those that use them, lots, get great. And I'm not anti-gyms. I've got a gym. I think they're wonderful. But just the reality is people don't use them. Mm. You know, you pay for something you don't get value from. So... And we know that 65% of our 28ers use the program at least once a week. Wow. So, you know, it's it's like the polar opposite. Huge. So, yeah. you know, it's just amazing to see that you're having a real impact because you may, you've got to reduce the barriers, whether mm. it be you didn't feel supported, you lacked motivation, you didn't know how to cook, or you the convenience factor of the gym was just too hard or the intimidation factor of the gym was just too hard. We try and reduce those barriers and let you still get great results from home. And, yeah, I think that's where the magic is. I really do. Amazing. So if you were to think of three quick tips for people at home who maybe 
Maybe it's mums trying to get moving. Maybe it's someone yep. thinking about their water or food intake. I don't know. Three easy things for people to do to start making a move towards better health. Yep. So the first one sounds a bit funny, but just start. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that say to me, Sam, when I get fit, I'm going to jo- come down to the woodshed or when I get fit, I'm going to join 28. <laughs> yeah. You don't, the whole point is we're here to help you start from a one and get you to a nine. Yeah. Don't wait till you're a five before yeah. you start because most people don't get to a five. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they never take that first step. So take that first step. The other big one is progress, not perfection. Don't try and be a 10 out of 10 with your food and a 10 out of 10 with your workouts. You're much better off to aim to be a 7 or 8 out of 10 at both because it's sustainable. Mm -hmm. That means still giving yourself a glass of wine, still having a piece of chocolate. If you miss a workout yesterday, so what? Mm. It doesn't matter. Your world doesn't end. People are way too hard on themselves and they think that you've got to be perfect. You can still get incredible results being an 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10. Uh, and the third one would be, I mean, there's, I've probably got 20, but the, <laughs> the third one would probably be don't neglect water and sleep. Mm. So aim to get three litres of water a day. If you think of food as the fuel for your body, think of water as the oil for that engine and your metabolism and everything else just won't work efficiently if you're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And for so many of us, we think we tr- sort of hero ourselves of not needing sleep and we... We're only kidding ourselves. Yep. I mean, look, as a new dad, I get the magic number is seven. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you get seven hours a night. I can't remember last time I had seven hours sleep. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, once you get over those humps of babies yeah. and that kind of stuff, if you can, you know, the amount of stuff we do late at night, mm. scrolling through our Facebook, yeah. binge watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. There is always a 30 or 60 minute extra bit of sleep at that time of the night if yeah. we, if we, proactive about it (laughs) so yeah try and get as close to seven hours of quality sleep a night and you'll just find from a recovery perspective from a mental health perspective it's Mm. really really beneficial yeah 100 percent. i think they're really great tips sam thank you for that good i want to thank you so much for your time my pleasure it's really been such a pleasure chatting with you always always. i didn't cry today i think you got all the tears out of me last time i did say to myself i shouldn't cry this time (laughs) I really, you really got me to well up last time talking about mum, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Well, that's all right. I'll remember that conversation. <laughs> I know you will. You know, I know it you was will. pretty special. Sorry, guys. You know. <laughs> Maybe the third time. Yeah, now. that's right. That's right. <laughs> third time's a charm, huh? That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, again. most welcome. Thanks and for having I'll, me. I'll put all the links to Twenty Eight and your yeah, Instagram great. Yeah, it's stuff. just the website. So Twenty Eight by Samwood.com and everything on that website will show you. Um, what the program's all about and we'd love to work with you. Brilliant. Cheers. All right, thanks, Sam. Bye.